I had a friend who'd been fire spinning for years and he came over into my backyard and we lit up my fire hoop and I was garbage. It was awful. I was not good at all. But just knowing that I had done that and done something that I'm supposed to be inherently afraid of, um, it really just changed my life. And I just started wanting to be kind of pushing the barrier of my fear every single time I approached it. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Victoria Zajac, who is a fire performer and has created the fire performance uh, all-female collective called The Hive. So if you're anything like me and you have been to a festival or two or definitely previous living in San Francisco, I'm sure this helped, you have seen a fire performer um in your lifetime at some point, whether that be at a park, a festival, whatever, you see people like breathing fire, spinning fire, doing all kinds of interesting different stuff with fire. So this is the focus of this episode. Victoria is the perfect person to have on. Um, a, she cares so much about the uh, safety and just like positive environment around the the fire scene. Uh, but B, she cares just so much about this in general and knows so much about it and has done so many different things within the fire performing world and is really starting to make a name for herself now and her um, collective, The Hive. So um, in this, we will talk about absolutely any and everything you can think of related to fire performing. So uh, yeah, without further ado, let's just start the episode. Here is Fire Performer. Victoria, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think a good place for this to start out is for you to explain to everyone what is considered fire performing. Because there's a lot of different, I guess, types of fire performing, uh, different things that one can do with fire. So what do you mean exactly when you say that you're a fire performer? What would somebody mean when they say something like that? So... um like you said, there's a wide variety of examples of fire performing. Um, I guess I will talk a little bit about what, <clears throat> excuse me, we do in particular. Um, and that is basically we will construct a, a show that is a, a little bit theatrical, a little bit conceptual, highly stylized um, with an image with costumes. And um, we'll get a group of girls together that are available and we will just come together and do choreography and use props that embellish that choreography that also happen to light on fire. Um, particularly my group and my collective is known for um, fire breathing. So what that is, is fire breathing is holding fuel in your mouth and atomizing it with your mouth onto an ignition source, which is also um, fire or a fire torch, most likely. and breathing or um atomizing this large plume of of fuel that ignites and creates this huge plume of fire so that's what we do um we also do fire eating which is taking a fueled torch we usually use um white gas as our fuel um or isopropyl alcohol for this particular um trick or skill 
and we extinguish the fire with our mouth. We do um, a lot of flushing, which is um, the same crop um, with isopropyl alcohol or um, white gas. Um, and we run it on our body and momentarily um, trace the fire onto our body. And it, it stays a little bit. So you get a little bit of a flame that um, is visible onto like your arms or your legs your, or your stomach, even your tongue. Um, and then we also use props. So prop manipulation is a skill that can be um, done without fire. Um, we happen to do mostly with fire, but we learned be obviously beforehand how to manipulate the prop um, without fire. And that includes like hula hoops, uh, dragon staff, which is a very long, um, kind of a long, um, how would I describe that? A very long tube, metal tube with um, spokes at the end that slowly rolls down your body that um, you use to dance with and it remains in contact with your body the entire time. It's a very like liquidy, beautiful, moving um, prop. Um, and then we have fire fans, which um, kind of like, um, they're iron, um, iron fans that have wicks on the end of them. They kind of look like, um, the fans that you would use to cool yourself down, only they're constructed, uh, to be used with fire. Um, and then we have a bunch of just honestly, like there's a bunch of different props, but basically the essence of what we do is, um, using those props that are fi fire capable to, to dance alongside with, um, other, uh, artists, musicians, um, or even creating a whole theatrical piece of our own. So it sounds like if, if you were to light a, a, if you were to like construct something with the purpose of being able to kind of like dance with it and perform with it and it could be lit on fire, it doesn't matter what it is. Like is it, it's all good as long as you're performing with it and, and it can be lit on fire. Um, I'm not really sure what you mean by that. Um, that there's not like a, a specific set of like, oh, it has to be these exact tools that you're using in fire performing. Like well, if, I, if I came up with like a, an interesting new tool and I lit it on fire and I, and I use that, like that would be okay? Well, absolutely not. So um, basically the, you can come up with any kind of idea as to um, the design of a fire prop, but there's kind of a strict guideline of um, what is being fire capable and what, or at least safely fire capable and um what kind of materials you can use to risk the or to minimize the risk of damage to yourself to your audience and even to your prop um so a lot of these things uh, you have to take in fire is an exact science for the most part so you have to take into consideration um melting points of metals and melting like you have to take into consideration like whether or not the metal is able to be tempered so it doesn't get hot um how you design it and construct it as far as um welding goes um the type of even down to the type of um aramid that you use which we mostly use kevlar um which is a um a material that isn't able to that um actually doesn't um burn necessarily it won't um it there's it's very uh, minimal destruction to the actual fibers and the wicks um because it has such a high fiber content and it is also um it's also just basically, um, and that's the, anyway, the construction, that's a whole different, uh, science, but no, you're to the to answer your question. It's basically no, um, most, most of these props have already been figured out because it, it needs to be figured out properly. You can't just like yeah, wing exactly. it and be like, Hey, I'm just uh, yeah, going to like absolutely. wing it here and try something out. 
Absolutely. We have um, a lot of people that we respect highly that are kind of like prop masters in the sense that they, um, they've been making them for a very long time. And um, they honestly do such amazing work. Like we have this, our, one of our friends, Doug Thomas makes these amazing, like ornate, like iron rose petals that are also like torches. So when I say torch, just so you know, it's basically um, a piece of metal, um, tempered metal that has the ability to connect to a wick. Um, which is made of Kevlar, and the wick is um, attached to the to the rod and sewn, and the wick absorbs the fuel, and as the um, and as the wick lets off some vapor, because the fuel that we use is very vaporous, the vapor around the material burns. So the material itself isn't burning; it's the the vapor around the fuel um, until it gets really hot, and then there are no there aren't that many vapors. Then the um, wick itself. Um, burns but not necessarily to the point of being damaged um so we there are people that are able to work within that confine that structural confine but also come up with like really amazing beautiful props right right okay so i had a whole bunch of questions planned out for you ahead of time and i already have like a ton more from what you've said so far so first of all when you were speaking earlier you mentioned um like adam when you're doing the uh fire breathing uh, that you are like atomizing the fuel source. What is the difference and the skill involved in atomizing a fuel source as you as you like breathe it out versus just like spitting it out of your mouth? Um. Well. Okay. Well. First of all, spitting it out of your mouth would be incredibly dangerous because you're you're not directing where the fuel is going. So, um, I guess I'll start you off with um. So, the only way that Fuels with a high uh, flash point will ignite or burn or, you know, kind of combust is when it's mixed with oxygen. Now, certain fuels have a lower flash point, which means that it doesn't take much for them to ignite or to burn. Um, things like white gas have a lower flash point. So the um, ignition temperature is lower. Um, whereas something like a paraffin oil, we use ultra pure paraffin oil, um, has a high flash point, which means that it needs to be either mixed with oxygen, which is atomizing. And honestly, the sound that we make while doing it is kind of akin to the sound that you make. Um, well, for, for, for the purposes of this example, the sound that you make with your mouth is akin to the sound that you would make when you're pretending to be an elephant for a child. <laughs> um, and that creates um like kind of a vibration where you're slowly um slowly atomizing I, I guess like like slowly leaking the fuel out of your mouth um while your lips are vibrating to to mix the fuel with oxygen and then that sort of um just creates the perfect environment for you to be able to ignite that fuel source okay um, so that brings me perfectly to the next question, which was like, why use different fuel sources? Like you've mentioned white gas a few times. You've mentioned other different things that you guys use during what types of things do you prefer to use? What fuel sources and why, what are the considerations that go into what fuel sources you're going to use? Um, okay. So there's a lot, um, we do, for, for example, for example, we're working on a show, um, tomorrow, which happens to be an indoor show. Now we have to take into consideration a lot. Um, and this show is, uh, one of, by one of the best, um, 
in my opinion, is one of the best um, fire producers and directors, Chris Flambeau. Um, and he's he's usually in, like for this show, he's in charge of figuring out all of this. But like I've, I've learned a lot from him and a lot from other greats in the industry, like Tara McManus, too. And she. Basically, we have to figure out um, where what type of show we're going to be doing, what props we're going to be using, how many people, um, what the ventilation is like. Um, whether it's indoor or outdoor. So, um, for example, if we're going to do an indoor show like we're doing tomorrow, um, we have to, we know that it's it's ventilated, but maybe it's not as ventilated as outdoors. So um, we know that there's actual physical, um, you know, barriers to how big our fire can be. Um, isopropyl alcohol doesn't burn as brightly or as hot as white gas. So we'll use isopropyl alcohol for indoors. Um, white gas is a little bit, um, more vaporous. It's a little bit more smoky. Um, and so since we'll be inside, we'll make sure that we use ISO. Now to think about that even further, we know that we have to have our props burn for a long, for a certain amount of time. Um, isopropyl alcohol has a tendency when moved quickly to lower the flame on the prop. So you might not, it might ha not have as high of a visibility as white gas. Um, also it might not burn as long as white gas so then we think okay we need to with all of these um restrictions of what we need to do we also there's a we essentially we need to mix the fuel types to get our desired result okay i was just going to ask you that is it like making wine like you make a melange of all these different fuels to get like the perfect fuel that you want yeah and um and before every show it's we really kind of um we really push doing burn tests on our fuel mixtures um, in rehearsal before we do the show. So we know exactly what we're working with when we go on stage. Um, even before we do like our, our, um, our dress rehearsal. Um, and then because we, we can understand kind of um, mathematically what should happen with the fuels when we do a, a mixture of like, say like uh, 50 white gas and 50 isopropyl. Um, but we want to make sure that within that test, like it's still <laughs> what what we need to have happen. Um, and with the prop and just kind of making sure that our safety precautions are um, in order. God, and that's that so cool. The effort and care that you put into this and like oh, and the art behind it and everything. And, and in the, it's not just like, yep, that's our indoor one. Yep, this is our outdoor one. And that's what it is. Yeah, no, like I actually, um, even though there's pretty much, um, like I said, Tara McManus, has pretty much like ingrained in us how important it is to um, adhere to these safety procedures. Like we still do, like we we still do our our best to go above and beyond that as much as possible. Like even the standard and um, there's there's regulations for what we need to have happen indoors and outdoors. But I'll still create like standard operating procedures per event in order to make sure that my team knows that. When we step on site, this is the checklist. This is what we need. Um, and if all of these things are in place, then we'll go through with the show. But um, if something is not, you know, up to our standard or there's a little bit of a problem, we do our best to make sure that we have the right precautions set up to minimize any kind of um, any kind of accidents. Right. So, but. Fuel is just like, there's so much with fuel that I could talk about. There's so many different types. And it actually depends on region, too, like where you are um, in in the world. We're super lucky that um, in the Northeast and even North America that we're able to have access to the 
in my opinion, one of the least um, temperamental types of fuel, especially when you use it and, um, you know, when you have the understanding of all of the liabilities associated with it. Which is what? Which is, we use Coleman's camping fuel or white gas. Now, another thing about the fuel is that we actually also, um, uh, myself in particular, but I would hope that other spinners as well, and I know that Tara and everyone she's taught does the same thing, is like taking a look at the material safety data sheets of each um, fuel, even down to the Kevlar, the wicks that we use, even down to like, you know, most most of the things that we have, everything um, that has a chemical makeup for the most part that is able to be sold has a material safety data sheet. Mm. Um, and so we have to look at that and we look at the, it gives you um, access to the information on the flash point, the vapor point, um, and basically just how long you can stay in a room with a vapor point, like how long you can stay in a room with it before you'll get high. <laughs> um, yeah. What the freezing point, all of that stuff. So we take a lot of, time and effort into making sure that everything is is as safe as it possibly could be man victoria this is so awesome talking to you and i'm so happy that you're the person that's like the representative for this on the show right now i i feel like you know i'll I'll talk to people about their careers and it's like they sometimes don't uh like put as much i guess like thought into all the different aspects of it as you put into this like it's it's incredible (laughs) like how how much thought you put into every single different aspect of it, um, which I mean is as it should be for something that obviously has the capacity to to injure you if you're not, you know, doing these things. It's a super serious thing, man. Like I've come in contact with people who are inspired to fire spin and they've been doing it for a while, but they just don't necessarily understand exactly what can happen. Like, once you get used to being around fire for a bit, it, it kind of can have the potential to lose its flair. Sorry, those are really <laughs> but but people um, start to it becomes normalized and people start losing their fear of it. And that's kind of I'm not saying to be afraid, but that's where the danger can come in because you have to realize that you're playing with fire. You know, you need to do everything that you can in order to create a safe space and a safe environment and have all of the knowledge that you can in order to make sure that you're doing it in a way that, you know, no one, no one is harmed, not your, your audience, your ven- the venue, yourself, your team. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a serious thing, you know? Okay. So just- this all brings up a question that I wrote down from when, again, you were talking at the very beginning of the interview. And I, I've seen this sort of thing before, uh, from going to like different festivals and things where, where people are, are doing fire performing. You mentioned like, getting the fire to almost like dance across a part of your skin for a little bit. How the hell are you lighting yourself on fire without burning yourself? How does this happen? So this comes back to the idea that, um, most fuels with a low flashpoint are vaporous. They have, um, they give off a, a vapor that burns. So basically what we're doing, um, is when we're putting the actual liquid fuel on our skin, there is vapor that's, um, that's rising from the liquid fuel as it does always with any liquid fuel. Um, and so when you're lighting that on fire, when you're lighting that fuel on fire, it's not necessarily touching your skin. That's actually one way to do it. When you take fuel from an unlit torch and you drag it onto your skin, you're putting the liquid torch or I'm sorry, the liquid fuel on your skin and then lighting it with the lit torch so that the vapor that's emitting from that, the liquid fuel is being burnt off. Now, that doesn't mean that when the 
when the vapor is gone that it won't burn your skin because it will, but there's just a way to do it that you um, minimize that risk of happening. You have to be very quick. Usually people rub it out or blow it out. Um, also, have you ever ran your hand over a candle as a child? Yeah, of I, course. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So um, I'm glad to see that I'm not the only one that had that calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like literally all the time. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's there's um, a certain amount of time, and um, I don't want to I don't want to misquote the specific amount of time, but I know that there is an actual um, number for this. But um, there's a certain amount of time that your skin can withstand um, heat and fire. And you just be very careful about like how long you're able to withstand that heat. So we can take a lit torch and drag it across our skin, at which point your skin won't necessarily hold flame unless there's fuel transfer from the wick to your skin. Mm -hmm. You just can't like um, have hair on your arms or something. Oh, I mean, we smell like burnt hair so often. <laughs> I, I tell my friends all the time, it's like, just get used to me smelling like burnt hair yeah. and gasoline. Yeah. Well, not gasoline, but white gas. When you were a kid, did you do the thing? I don't know if your parents had any candles at the house, but like when a candle had just finished burning, you blow it out and you stick all your fingers inside the wax and then you pull them out and then you get like these little wax, like make things of your of your fingers. Yeah, I did that at a very early age. My cousin taught me how to extinguish um, a candle just by licking my fingertips and putting it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, for I, I sure. I really liked the fizzle that happened with that. Um, yeah, I was kind of, I did a lot of um, experimentation with fire. I, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't really talk about that, but I was very interested. <laughs> I mean, fire is just so, so, all right, that uh, man, you are just teeing up these questions, Victoria. I love it. So <laughs> uh, let's talk about the feeling that you get when you work with something like fire, because it is obviously very dangerous. We, we do get more afraid of these things as we become adults. It's not like when you're a kid and you're just like, oh, let me just throw my hands in this candle, whatever. Um, so what is it like to do that but on a much bigger scale like like lighting your arm on fire and and dancing around and doing these performances with torches like um going around your body and around your head uh i guess just discuss what that feeling is like because like I, I know that when i go camping and i sit by a fire it's a very peaceful feeling like sitting by a fire i imagine obviously the performance isn't necessarily peaceful but what, like what is it like so um, there's a couple of different things I can I can tell you about. Um, for me, particularly, the thing that I really really love is the sound that it fire makes when it's kind of enveloping you um, in a controlled way. Uh, it's a very loud like whooshing noise. That's so I'm so happy you said this because th this actually was my next question for you. Oh, okay. I watched this documentary that was made uh, on fire performing on YouTube. And out of like the six people that they were talking to, every single one of the six made a point of the sound and how the like sound. that was the thing that like hooked them that made them like, yep, I got to keep doing this thing. Dude, it's so it's just the most powerful sound for me. It's I'm, I'm really inspired by sound and um, it's just I don't know. It's so hard to describe what it's like. It's like you're being filled with something, some power that you know you should have and it's <laughs> Um, it's incredible, but, uh, I guess my relationship with fire has changed since the beginning, um, uh, of my, my fire performance journey or my fire spinning journey. And, um, originally it was something that I was drawn to because I didn't, um, I was, I was drawn to it, I guess, because I wanted to, to try something that I knew would 
would scare me and would potentially hurt me. Um, that sounds bad, but I wanted to be able to overcome that. And I, I also, to be clear, um, fire and fire performing for me has given me self-confidence and um, self-assuredness and this and self-respect like nothing ever could have in my life. And I think I knew that once I had, um, once I had gotten over the idea that I could never do it, um, that's when all of that self-love started coming in. So, um, I really didn't think that I was going to be able to do something with it or do it at all. And I, um, I had a friend who'd been fire spinning for years and he came over into my backyard and we lit up my fire hoop and I was garbage. It was awful. I was not good at all. And but just knowing that I had done that and done something that I'm supposed to be inherently afraid of, um, it really just changed my life. And I just started wanting to be kind of pushing the barrier of my fear every single time I approached it um, in, in a way of like learning a new prop or learning a new skill or um, performing, performing, performing in front of three people performing in front of 300 people performing in three in front of 3000 people like and just kind of amplifying it and pushing myself um and honestly it's been amazing just to just to be able to hold an element and like see it and smell it and hear it if there's nothing like being able to harness that kind of thing especially coming from a place of fear it's a really like it's just a beautiful experience for me. That's so beautiful. I man, I appreciate so much everything that you just said. I I feel like we live in a time where it's so it, it's like we're all sitting in a hot tub and you don't have to get out of the hot tub. Like it's cold outside of the hot tub, you know? So you, and you don't so you don't want to get out. And like it's it's so easy to get your food and to get your news and to like live in your little world that you've like set up for yourself and not have to do things that scare you not have to do things that are difficult not have to do whatever like you know there's constantly new apps coming out and new whatever that that make your life easier in some way not that make it harder you know Absolutely. and um there's just there's so much to be said for doing anything that that scares you doing anything that is difficult in some way and just doing it and then the ways that that can transform your life it doesn't matter how how small the thing is at all like uh, not long after i started doing this podcast uh, you know i i used to have a regular job and then i started doing the podcast and you know i didn't have to wake up early anymore because i didn't have a job so i i wasn't waking up early for a while and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to start waking up at like 5.30 in the morning. And that was so much earlier than I ever even had to wake up for my job. And yeah. my wife was like still sleeping, you know, the whole time that I would be waking up at 5.30 every day. And she was just like, why are you doing that? And I was like, basically, because I don't want to do it. Like, that's why I'm doing yeah, it is because I don't want to do it. And, yeah. it. and then like after you do that for a month, it's like, okay, I did this crappy thing that I don't want to do. Like what other things could I possibly do that that yeah, like I, I push through that wall, you know? And like and fear is like such another one that we just you can you can get by in life so easily without doing things that scare you. Um, Absolutely, and I have such debilitating cool. fear. Just like even honestly, like taking a bus when I was um, 
earlier in college and even until my to my time when I moved to Brooklyn, I was afraid to just do things alone. Even like, honestly, it was so ridiculously debilitating because there was no reason, there was no reason behind it. Just like whatever past trauma or whatever anxieties I had, I, I wouldn't do anything alone. And I knew I couldn't continue my life like that. That was ridiculous. In the beginning, I had like made promises to friends or like I had, I was kind of trying to perform and I would book a gig and just not just like pull out of the gig because I didn't feel that it might stem from me not feeling worthy or good enough to be able to like give to the world. And then once I realized that, like, just, just do it, just try it. If you fail, if you're not good enough, like who cares? You tried it. And that's kind of like where that's where fire performance took me to just doing it and to shedding that fear. And you have nothing to lose. Really. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so, that's so great. Um, so let's talk about uh fire and fire performing versus other flow arts so we've already done an episode quite a ways back uh on flow arts i would imagine that a lot of people that get into fire performing have previously done other different like flow arts sort of stuff and uh or maybe like they've done poi and then one day they're like i'm going to light these poi on fire now you know and like and start spinning them around fire uh i have you did you do other sorts of flow arts sort of before working with fire and then once you graduate to fire, so to speak, is it kind of difficult to go back because it doesn't give you the same sort of feeling? Um, so I actually started on kind of a more um, on a path that's more seen now than as opposed to like the renegade fire spinners um, way before my time as a performer. Um, but yeah, I actually started... I started in dance and then I like picked up poi in college for a second, which was actually just like two tube socks, long tube socks with tennis balls. And I messed around with that a little bit, but it didn't feel right to me. And then I grabbed a hula hoop and was so, so passionate about learning and advancing in that. And I would come home from work after working like eight hour days and drill for six hours in my living room. I lived in a little like shitty apartment. Oh, sorry. Little crappy apartment in, <laughs> in Brooklyn, um, in front of a mirror and just drilled and drilled and drilled. And, um, and then I kind of graduated to led and, um, I'd light up hula hoop and that was fun, but it didn't really feel like it, it didn't give me the feeling that I wanted. And, <clears throat> and then I um, went to Burning Man and the, my neighbors had a, a fire hoop and she let me burn it for the first time. Um, having had the fundamental knowledge that of flow arts and of um, tech, um, like technical movements um, and tricks with the hula hoop, she let me um, play with her hula hoop when it had burned down a little bit. So the fire wasn't that big. Um, and just when I saw that, it was, I was, I knew that that was something that had to be a part of my life. Um, but to answer your second question, we, for me, I think it's super important to always go back to your props when they, that aren't fire. Like that's where your foundation is. That's where you warm up. That's where you um, practice tricks that you're going to try before you go into doing it with fire. Like you always have to drill and make sure that your body has that muscle memory mm. in it in order to like feel com feel comfortable enough to move if um something sketchy happens when it's on fire mm. yeah it's like an athlete like they don't just show up for the games like they practice a ton in between oh, the games absolutely. To, yeah that's really cool um man and i love it's it, funny what you just said reminds me so much of something 
that uh, Nikki, the guy that I interviewed in the Flow Arts episode, said that I love so much. It, his his thing is poi. Like he loves poi, and he said that he tried several different things before he landed on poi. And he's like all uh, several of the other things. Like one was like okay, one like wasn't that great. And then I landed on poi, and I like loved it. And he's like, I still then tried a couple things after the poi, but still poi just gave me the best feeling. And and that was kind of like one of his huge pieces of advice at the end of the episode to anyone that wanted to try flow arts was like try several different things. Don't just be like, Oh yeah, yeah I'm just going to try poi or whatever. He's like, trust me, like something will speak to like, if, if, if something is going to speak to you, like one thing will speak to you far more than the other things do. And it's like, that's your thing, you know, like just because your buddy is like, Hey, hula hoop is the, sh- the shit, you know, don't just take your buddies. You know, it's like anything else in life. Like that just cause that's great yeah. for your buddy doesn't mean it's great for you. Oh, and absolutely. And honestly, it really changes when, as you continue on into fire, like I, I'll hoop, I'll hoop my ass off. I love it. I love doing it. Um, I, I don't really do it like in public as much cause it's just something that's so for me. Um, but I won't fire hoop. I can fire hoop, but I won't. It's not something that I really enjoy doing. Um, but I'll do fire fans and even, and you, you just kind of like mess around with the things that call to you and you try it. But as far as fire goes, like I'd much rather fire breathe and fire eat than pick up a pair of fans and spin my fans around. Like, um, it's just interesting. But like, like I said, I'll play with my hoop all day. (laughs) Uh, Dude, you have so many great quotes right there. Like you said, I'll play with my hoop all day. I'll hoop my ass off. Like you need to get these made into bumper stickers and just say like, I'll hoop my ass off, you know? Oh, the hooping community is so large too. It's honestly something that's been so inspiring because there are so many, so many women and young girls who um, realize that there's so much more to life than just like being your physical form. Like you're able to express yourself in so many different ways. And it's changed like women's lives as far as how they view their bodies and their relationships with their movements, their relationships with their voice and their breath. It's like really awesome. It's something that's taken off that um, it's really nice to see. Cause with dance, it's like, you know, it, it, it's a different type of training with dance. Um, it's harder to to teach yourself how to dance than it is to teach yourself how to hula hoop and it's more widely accessible and if that's what's something that gets people moving men and women i should say not there are a, a lot of amazing male hoopers too um if that's what's something that gets people moving then that's just important in and of itself mm, hell yeah for sure uh let's talk a little bit more about that tell us more about the sort of community of people that you have met and that you continue to see in the sort of like fire performing community so i have a really interesting relationship um well in my mind i have an interesting relationship with the fire community um because i dedicated when i was dedicating myself to learning fire and to to um becoming uh someone who felt confident enough to display what i had learned with fire um i didn't want to be a part of a community I actually, again, it comes back to that self-worth thing. Like, what am I bringing to the table? If I'm not bringing something to the table, then I don't want to be a part of it, Um, which is something that I struggle with every single day. Like, I want to put my best foot forward. And um, so I wanted to learn and be as serious as I could uh, before I actually became involved with the community. And not until recently have I felt comfortable even just, like, showing up somewhere and being like, yeah, let's light up or, hey, let's make a burn circle or... I mean, it didn't really happen until I started the hive when I felt like I had something to contribute or I felt like I had something to show people. Um, but there are so many amazing, amazing fire spinners and fire breathers and eaters and flow artists. Um, even just in this area, it's like hard to name um, all of them that I'm inspired by. But um, 
it's really cool. Um, just uh, as an example, last year we performed at this festival um, in uh, in Pennsylvania, and my partner and I, Nora, um, did our fire breathing, and it was great. And we did a had a couple of props that we were using, and when everything was said and done, we we're like, let's open up a burn circle. Let's let's provide an amazing space for people to come and to spin and make sure it's safe. We we'll donate all our all our fuel. Um, we got like. I don't even know, 10 gallons of white gas and we had all of our duvetines and we were safety trained. So we knew what we were doing. And she and I sat there while people who had never fire spun before, but had been um, adept in their prop for years, picked up a pair of fire poi and just went at it. And they were incredible. And we just, we had people that we had known from other festivals um, that were spinning and people that had known us just from online and coming up to us and seeing us. And um, it, it really just creates this amazing community of of talented people um sharing their art and skill sharing and people just for the most part the type of people that i enjoy spending my time with are the people that um are willing to skill share and are willing to open up their hearts to an experience and they're not so egotistical about their their journey which it's fine if you are too it takes a lot everyone's journey is different and it takes a lot for you to get to a place where you feel comfortable with your flow and with your fire and totally um, i get that but like i'm the type of person who wants to share and um, just for example, like there are a bunch of people that have inspired me in New York City, like I said, like even Tara McManus, who holds safety classes at Floasis and really like make sure that the people who are serious are able to have the skill, the foundation of knowledge and technical knowledge to do things up, to do what we do safely. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I love what you said earlier about how you... It, it, it was like difficult for you where you didn't want to uh, like jump into the community like head first when you felt like you didn't necessarily like have something to offer yet, you know, like I, I, and I feel like that's such like human nature. Maybe, maybe that's like ego or I don't know what, but like I've, I've been that same way with so, so many things in my life. And then you get to the point where you feel like, okay, like I can offer something. And then you go to an event or you go to a thing and then there's a whole bunch of like newbies there. They're just like, yeah, like I don't know anything. I'm just here to learn and like meet some people. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're awesome. Like, you, yeah. you don't, you didn't care at all. Like, you just showed up, and like that's that's the way to do it. You know, to not like get in your head about like, but what am I going to offer these people? I don't know what I'm doing yet. It's like it's yeah, just so exactly. rad to just go in. Exactly, and that's what we love. We love to see people who um, obviously are willing to learn and take that step by step. And now I, now I get why, um, when people knew that I existed and knew that I was interested in fire and was doing sort of these like, um, learning independently. Like I knew why people were a little bit curious about it. They're like, Oh, well, why isn't she coming around? Like we know that she's doing it. So, so why isn't she involved? And I got a lot of feedback from my friends about, um, what people thought about that, which was <laughs> definitely an interesting, um, experience to hear but um inspired me to kind of be a little bit more um open about sharing what what it was for me to to spin fire yeah for sure all right uh let's talk a little bit about the actual performance piece now so how do you create a performance um and talk a little bit about just the whole creative process as a whole and, and maybe how like creating these performances has changed you in your i guess ability to be creative and things like that so um a lot of what we do now um which is a little bit easier uh we have budget limitations obviously when we create a piece so what we've been doing a lot now is um supplementing um musical acts supplementing djs and performers um and that's kind of kind of like um 
I guess I would consider it ambient spinning where we flank DJs um, at festivals and we do our fire breathing act. But um, we want to keep within a concept that we've created for ourselves for the season. More recently, it's been kind of like Viking, like Viking warrior, fire breathing pirate ladies. <laughs> um, or kind of we do this like deer woman where we wear like these antlers that are my beautiful friend from Canada made these antlers um, headpieces from us um, for us. and. So basically, we'll, the Hive started off with um, a choreographed piece for, um, for our friend's birthday. And we sat down, and this was my first experience kind of like actually creating a choreographed piece um, in this, of this nature. And we just sat down and we thought about like the mood, the tone, what we wanted to, um, what emotion we wanted to elicit from the audience. And um, then we moved on to the 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 music that we want to set the tone because music is obviously very important. Um, it's evocative in so many different ways. Um, and then we'll sit and we'll think about the movements that we can use, the props that we can use to, you know, create that experience. Um, and then we'll think about what fire safe costumes we can use, or even sometimes if we're pushing that barrier a little bit, what props we can use if our, our, our costumes aren't going to be necessarily like the standard safe costumes. Um, which I never recommend, but it's all, you know, I'm not, never going to harsh someone for that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, as long as you're safe and you know what you're doing, but, um, and then we'll just like work the piece and we'll, we'll start, um, wherever the inspiration comes from within the song, we'll start there and we'll build from there. And then we'll, um, think about what kind of, um, what we want to do with the props and we'll drill that if we want to do partner, um, partner pieces, um, uh, Basically, it's just kind of like creating any kind of art piece. You just hack away at it until it's what it, until it's what you feel is right from your heart. Um, and it's changed. It's changed me creatively in so many different ways. Um, I'm still growing, very, very much growing, and still learning about what it takes to create a piece. Um, and because there's just so many things to do, you know. Um, so it just, I mean. It's just basically trying to to give emotion and give an idea to who's viewing it, as is with any art, you know. Yeah, for sure. All right, Victoria. So we've danced around a little bit the concepts of safety. Why don't we talk about that a little bit more explicitly now? Like the different ways that you keep yourself safe during this. Oh man, this is my kind of my favorite. Um, <laughs> I'm such a safety nerd when it comes to like learning about all the things that you can do in order to make yourself safer. Um, so there are, there's, um, a bunch of, there's a lot to take into consideration when you're creating a piece or when you're, you're spinning in general. And, um, they go in a specific order for me. And for, um, like I said, a lot of the people, Sarah McManus, explained. um, so basically you want to make sure that the, like dur let's say during uh, during a piece while your your fire spinning, you want to make sure that um, your audience is safe, that they're a safe distance away, um, that there's a barrier between you and the audience. Um, funny enough, most of the time we're fire spinning, we're at music festivals, and people are altered and excited, and we want to make sure that um, they can't get to us in any way um, for their safety and obviously for our safety. So the first um, consideration we have to take is our audience: are they okay? And then it's the venue. Is there anything that is there anything that's going to happen to the venue that can potentially endanger our guests and everyone involved? Um, and then it's 
ourselves? Are we doing everything that we can so that we don't hurt ourselves in a way that our safeties um, need to step in or um, the audience is frightened or uncomfortable? Um, and then our safety is making sure, you know, we're just, there's a lot to keep in mind. And to touch back onto how Spinning Fire makes me feel, it's a very interesting um, experience to be in a flow state and kind of, I, I, what I mean by flow state, it's like a meditative state where you're so in your body and you're just moving with the fire um, and also be extremely aware of your surroundings. So it's like this kind of like paradox, paradoxical state where you're aware of everything that's happening and only aware of how you're moving with, not even aware, but just like in your flow state kind of moving with fire. Yeah, for um, sure. Wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. and I um. It's it's to the point where like I'll be moving and I'll be doing something and flowing with my fire fans and I'll see that maybe the stage has just a little bit of a flame that licked off onto the surface and be, being able to like see that and step it out with my foot and keep going into the movement like that's been a really um, interesting experience for me. Um, but yeah, there's several things that you can do. Um, and if anyone is interested in starting to spin fire, interested in fire science or fire safety, um, the Flow Arts Institute has an amazing collection of videos online that you can take a look at, um, which I highly recommend. Um, but there are certain fibers that like certain fabrics that you can wear as a fire spinner, especially when you're learning, um, natural fibers that, um, won't, um, won't ignite or won't melt onto your skin so um when i say natural fibers i mean like hemp or wool or um 100 cotton um nothing that's synthetically derived um because synthetics will actually melt to your skin mm, if yeah. um, heat is placed on there for too long um there are certain things you can do like wet your hair so that your hair is, is essentially also a natural fiber so it won't um ignite and um propagate but it will light and then sizzle which most natural fibers will light and then kind of like um, burn out and um, they, it won't propagate. It won't continue um, burning onto the rest of the fabric. Um, so you can wet your hair so that you don't even potential, have potential to light your hair. Um, also, what's really important, which um, I think needs to be stated absolutely, is like before you do any kind of burning with your props, you need to check them and make sure that all of your, um, all of your connect, the connections, the connection sites are stable, that there's no, that if you're using a fire, or a fire hoop, that the plastic, the integrity of the plastic is still there. Um, we have a whole safety system that we use where it's like a double, we call it a double dump system where, um, you have two airtight containers, one that fits inside of the other, um, where you keep the fuel in one container. And then the outside container is your, um, second barrier or your second defense against, um, anything. And so, with fire, the only reason, one of the reasons why fire exists or is able to be um, made is oxygen. So when you smother fire, you when you smother fire, especially um, with the double dump system, if you cut off the oxygen source, the fire will go out. So um, basically, if our fuel dump ignites within that second container, if the fuel, fuel dump ignites, we have our second system to create an airtight barrier over that container mm, so that... Right there's no more, um, fire. Um, also, like I said, with perimeter, you just make sure that you have people that are blocking the perimeter for the, um, the fire show that's going on in the middle. We have safeties. We have, we call them dedicated safeties. Um, I think a little bit, something that's different from how we do things is that a lot of, um, people expect 
fire spinners in a burn circle or even fire spinners doing multiple performances to safety the next performance or the, the performance before them. And what we like to do is have dedicated safeties who don't have their mind on their performances. So what that means is um, they're standing at the perimeter um, watching only the fire spinner. Um, and then our, our perimeter safeties are watching the crowd. And then our fuel dump safeties are watching the fuel dump. So no one smokes a cigarette near it. And that's like even hard for people to get to anyway, because we usually um, put it off way off into the distance away up way off into the distance away from our performance and away from the crowd. Um, but still, you never know. Like I said, we're at festivals, so people kind of like meander into weird places. Yeah, all the time. right, right. Um, and we have just like a rope, like rope set up um, around our fuel dump and there's no smoking signs. And we have um, several different things like our spinoff. So when you when you fuel a prop, um, when you fuel a prop, the the wick absorbs the the fuel. Um, but if you light that right away, there's a possibility for fuel transfers to have, or even we call it spin-off to happen, where hot, like wads, flaming wads of fuel will fly off into the distance if you don't, um, before you light your prop, if you don't either shake it off into a container or um, you, you can put plastic bags around the wicks and shake it off that way, mm. or something that I don't particularly um I don't particularly condone, or you could just spin it off onto the ground. I don't like to put that that end of your earth. Um, so there's stuff like that. Um, let's see what else. Um, there's so there's so many other things. So we, when we do a site walk or when we're about to do a show, we'll we'll walk in and we'll see um, if there are, are any low hanging trees. If we're outside um, or if we're indoors, are the curtains theater grade? Are they treated so that they won't light on fire? Is the venue dusty? Because dust actually is combustible. Um, where are the fire? We use fire extinguishers. Are we using the right type of fire extinguisher? We use ABC fire extinguishers for fuel, and we use CO2 for when we're breathing, uh, breathing fire. Um, let's see. The size of the crowd is super important, too. Um, and the ventilation are, like, if we're indoors, the ventilation, is there a ventilation system? What kind of ventilation system? And that will determine our fuel type and how many people we'll have on stage. Um, and the type of props we're using, the style that we're doing, are we going to do one at a time or are we fire breathing? Um, with fire breathing, it's super important that we have a safety that knows a, how to breathe or knows how to safety a breather. How to, honestly, it's crazy how many people have said that they can safety a fire spinner and they don't even know how to use a fire extinguisher. <laughs> to touch on that, it's ridiculous. To touch on that, like, I want a safety who's also also knows never to use a fire extinguisher on a human body unless it's a, a, the absolute last last you know resort. Um, so yeah, there's just there's absolutely so much to touch upon on that. Um, How are people supposed to learn all these things, Victoria? So that's the thing. Um, a, a lot of the way that people have learned in the past, where people who you know kind of see this more as a hobby, which is is great. Um, they learn from the people. In their community, they learn from people at festivals. They, um, they learn from people that they admire. Um, but my advice is to, if you're if you're not like in New York, or if you're not if it's not available to you, is to is to go onto the Flow Arts Institute and take their safety course. You can get certified as a fire safety through the Flow Arts Institute. Um, and honestly, like the only way you're really going to learn any of this is you're gonna you have to want to learn it. I didn't want to learn it when I first started, but then something clicked in my mind where I was like, I want to be a professional and I'm so interested in all of this. Like <clears throat> there's so, there's so much that's, 
that's available to you online to like kind of feed that that desire yeah um, for sure and like i said like one of the most amazing um classes that i've taken and i, I learned so much was from tara mcmanus at floasis um and that was just it was so cool to know that i could i could set my mind towards something that was so creative but also so sci- like scientific as well so it's important to note that I in no way am qualified to give a safety lesson or even to um, give a lesson on fire spinning in general. And if, because I'm sure there are people that are going to be hearing this and say, you didn't say, talk about this and you didn't talk about that. But like, I honestly, I'm not qualified to go in, in, in depth about most of these things as a, as a teacher or as an instructor. And anyone who's interested, like I said, I've given um, a couple of examples of ways that you can learn. And I really urge anyone who's interested to go check that out. That is a very responsible thing to say. <laughs> all right, cool. And I'll put links to all those things on the uh, post for this on the Half Run Trend site. So if you're driving okay, or something and you can't uh, write that down, I will put links to all this stuff. So um, let's go ahead and wind this thing down, Victoria. First of all, have you ever hurt yourself while you're fire performing? <laughs> okay, so... um yes my i have a couple of different funny stories so the first time that i was fire spinning with my fire hoop first time i've ever lit it up i um kind of seared my skin with the metal that um attached to the hoop because the metal gets hot from the wicks and there's heat transfer and um i burnt my arms i think i still have the scars that was like six years ago i think um they end up becoming something that you're proud of because it means that you've overcome something and you know it's this is not everyone does it so no one's not no one's gonna have those kind of scars mm-hmm. um my first performance that i performed in front of three thousand people with at a, an indoor event i um lit my hair on fire um in but at that time i had it was my first performance so at that time it ended up being more of a deal than i that it is now i you know it happens to me more often you know it happens to me all the time now when i'm rehearsing and it's happened to me before or after this experience but at that time that was like a very big thing for me um as far as like really hurting myself um i think the one time that i had a burn that was not as bearable as most of them have been because by now it's like i burn myself it's like anything you know um it's like stubbing your toe um I did this fuel transfer from um, a lit wick onto my hand um, and my hand was burning and my intention was to breathe fire um, using my hand with, and the fuel and the um, transfer of my hand using that to, as my ignition source for, for the fire, for the fire breath. And I, it took like maybe 20 30 milliseconds i was too slow pulling my hand away and i kind of cooked my palm um and that was uh yeah that felt really nasty um i've had like grabbing wicks um to smother a flame um actually you know what let me because fire injuries when people think fire injuries you don't really think about um what can be happening inside of your body because that's also an injury as well um, there's a lot of like topical injuries that you can get, but that's pretty much par for the course. Um, but I can say that one of the worst, um, worst things that happened to me was when I was fire breathing at length at a music festival and doing, um, 
fire eating. And there are certain tricks that you can do with fire eating that um, are called vapor tricks. Um, and I was doing a bunch of that and I was doing all of like the necessary aftercare and pre-care that we have. And, um, it was just, it had just happened at length. Like we were just doing, it was the frequency at which we were doing it that the next day when I went home from the festival, I had felt like shit. Um, I felt like I had the flu. Um, I had a fever. I had the chills, body aches, my shoulder, something happened to my shoulder. Like just my musculature felt like it was just rock hard and disgusting. I felt like just awful. Um, and so with fire breathing, there's a huge, the biggest risk that you can, um, the biggest risk that you undertake when you're fire spinning is the potential for chemical pneumonia. Um, and that's when, um, something like a chemical or particles get into your lungs and obstruct your airways and kind of, um, give you pneumonia. That's not like, um, pneumonia that you would get with fluid on your lungs because you can treat that with an antibiotic, um, more easily. You than have you like have gas it. in your lungs. That's awful. Yeah. You're pretty much just like, or, or even swallowing, um, a little bit of our fuel when we fire breathe, which isn't as dire, but like still makes you, um, defecate a lot and that's never fun either um so um but yeah that's pretty much um the extent of it for now knock on wood i have a performance tomorrow so that's always subject to change um but no real serious injuries and but a lot of close calls i think that i've been um blessed with taking time to taking time to like learn all of the things that are that the potential problems that can arise and a quick mind in order to kind of like move through it um, I've had like breathing fire. I've had it come travel back to my face. Um, it's always important when you're breathing to wipe breathing fire to wipe fuel off of your face um, during the times that you're breathing because mm. when you're when you um, at like when you're atomizing, it actually like the fuel comes back onto your face and you get really messy. But if you continue to breathe with that, there's potential for that fuel. Totally. To so um, w- as long as I was you know continuing to do that, then there's no problem. But there was a time that I um, hadn't for whatever reason and it came back and got me but there was no actual um no long lasting injuries have you ever had to stop a performance because of one of these things um no i haven't um i think it's really important that you don't do anything that will um that will increase your increase the potential for you to get hurt on stage i mean for the most part if you're going to do something, do something that you're comfortable with. And like I said, there's always going to be accidents, but if, if you have a good safety team and you have a good, um, foundation, then that should really never be a problem. I've seen kids spin fire and throw their poi into the crowd. Like those people aren't the people that should be on stage. Those are people that need to like, you know, take time and really think about what it means to be up there. And that just came recently for me. Like I had no business being on stage, you know, until recently. So, I mean, it all just takes, you just do everything that you can to make sure that you're safe. And that comes with time and knowledge. So let's go ahead and finish up with advice for people. So if after listening to this, somebody's like, that sounds like my jam. I want to go ahead and give that a whirl. What sort of advice would you give them? Well, um, I would say pick, first of all, dance, be in your body, kind of just put on your favorite song and move with a broomstick. Like, who cares? Just shed all of the fears, shed all of the ego. And I hate to, I hate to say, oh, I'm not even going to say that because that's too, um, that's too trite, but just dance and just move. Um, pick up a prop, 
you know, borrow your friend's prop, um, go online and do research, do a ton of research, look at YouTube videos, um, anything that inspires you. Um, and you can, you can dance with anything. Like I said, pick up a broomstick and put on your favorite song and flail around. Um, and if that feels good to you, you can buy a hoop online. You can buy, um, a contact staff, you can buy double staffs, you can do anything. Um, but as far as, as far as fires, fire goes, get that foundation of movement. Um, if you want to do it like fire, like flow arts with fire, um, if you want to fire perform and like fire eat or fire breathe, or even do like palm torches or do more like, um, less technical, more ornate, um, fire performances, I would say, I mean, you can reach out to us. You can hit us up. We'll direct you in the right, um, we'll move you in the right direction. Um, yeah. So tell people about your fire business and where people can find you. Okay, so um, I'm Victoria Elizabeth from The Hive. Our website is www.thehivefire.com. Um, our Instagram is um, instagram.com backslash The Hive Fire, as is our Facebook page. Um, and like I said, we aren't, um, we're not really qualified to teach, but we have a network all across the world, and I would be so happy to send anyone who's interested to any of those people. Um, we get hit up all the time. And there are some really amazing teachers. We're in contact with some of the world's best teachers and instructors. There are festivals that you can go to that are centered around the flow arts and centered around fire. Um, we're out there. The community's there. Just um, come approach with respect and be fearless and know that if you're meant to be there, you'll be there. I love it. Great advice. Victoria, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to be able to speak my voice like this. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.